following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production, bringing on-demand geek audio straight to your eardrums one podcast at a time. To listen to more great geek audio podcasts, check out the R.E.D. Podcast Network at redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Evan PM Somewhere Podcast, the number one craft beer podcast in Ireland. And according to Dave Gilfoyle, Apprentice Burke, Bo Bristle, coincidentally the worst Irish craft beer podcast. Told you we'd come back to bite you, Dave. I did tell you. This is episode 19 on Sunday, the 11th of May. My name is Ian. I'm your host. And each week I jump on my beer crate, adorned at my craft beer parasheath, shooing away the bland, tasteless dullards of the beer-producing world to lend my voice to the Irish craft beer revolution. Thanks for daring to put the world's most dangerous beer podcast into your ears this week week. So, quick update before I jump into starting the show. Later on today, I'm going to be shooting the first episode of the new web series that I'm going to be doing is part 11pm somewhere, as I've been saying, I'm going to expand the type of content that we're doing on the podcast, on the blog, on the website, and I'm going to be including more different types of content as well uh, to try and diversify things and grow content, and hopefully it'll encourage others to do the same as well, so we can start churning out a ton of great content about the Irish craft beer scene, um, and that's going to be called Bastard Dogs. Uh, if you, when you're watching it, it'll, there'll be an explanation of the name behind that. There's also a new Twitter account for you to follow, at Bastard Dog Beer. Um, so go and check that out. It'll be coming later on. Basically what it's going to do is, long story short, it's going to follow my journey into home brewing. See whether I can walk the walk, despite the fact that I can talk the talk. And to see whether my passion about beer actually translates over into my ability to make the friggin' thing. So fingers crossed it all goes well, but go and check it out. So now we got that horse shit out of the way. Yeah, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this week's show. This week's show is all about the idea of extreme beers and extreme brewing in Ireland. Now, let's just clarify what extreme beers and extreme brewing is. I would say these are probably on the upper end of batshit insane, going right the way down to uh, just hardcore imperial beers in this country. And staple hardcore imperial beers, like having imperial stouts as regular beers, having Imperial Reds, uh, Imperial IPAs, um, and a whole heap of other type of those kind of stronger beers where the flavor dial gets turned up to 13, the aroma dial gets turned up to 13. I mean, we're already skipping going to 11, we're going 12 and 13. Spinal Tap are fucking freaking out at this point, wondering why people have skipped 12. Was 11 not sufficient? Hell no. Didn't talk about beers that take things all the way up to 13. And the reason I'm talking about this is, I think we're sort of progressing and moving along quite nicely in the Irish craft beer scene, um, and in the craft beer revolution, like, it is underway, it is in full swing, and we're seeing some great pilot beers coming out there, um, from certain beer uh, producing companies that are that are setting up in Ireland, and they're Irish companies as well. Uh, that's kind of plainly obvious. Um, but anyway, so these pilot beers, they're turning up on guest taps, and they're turning up on short runs and casks and everything else. And I think we're now getting to the point where we... I, I'm just, just The market is, in my opinion, is 
begging for one of these brewers to actually like sit up and start producing like an extreme beer and keeping it in regular rotation. And when I say like a beer like that in regular rotation, I'm talking about like the example in the US, Dogfish Head, and their their 60 minute, 90 minute, or 120 minute IPAs, and keeping them where you know at least a couple of times a year there is runs of these beers that are happening, uh, alongside all the other crazy amazing beers that Sam Caligione and the others churn out. Um, and I mean, I would even go as far as to say. I'm still waiting for someone to turn out something like Brewdog's Tokyo at least a couple of times a year. Uh, I, know, I don't really give a shit if people uh, are going, Jesus, Ian, you've mentioned Brewdog again. I don't care. Do you know what? There is a market for these beers. These beers are being bought by people. The people who are in denial that these beers are not being bought and they're not being bought in the Irish market, you guys need to get a fucking clue. These beers are being consumed by people. People want to buy these beers. And if, and you know what, if they're being made by foreign breweries and they're being imported into Ireland and being sold, you know, the clue is there that Irish beer drinkers would like to have some of these beers available to buy. And you know what, when you're talking about these kind of beers as well, when Irish brewers put out these experimental pilot beers, you know, they are being sold and they're being purchased on the taps in the pubs and you know what, they're being cleared out as well. I mean, for example, all you need to do is look at in the last couple of weeks where you're talking about Trouble Brewing, for example, have stuck on that wit beer and they've stuck on um, graffiti as well. And those beers have been doing particularly well, I've been told, uh, in Brewdock. I mean, so much so, I think that the wit beer is actually, if I understand what Rachel has been saying to me, like the wit beer has actually been keeping the dark arts porter off the taps as well for in the intervening period. I mean, that's like a huge deal that the fact that these uh, that this beer is able to it's a it's a all it is is just a a, ter- a beer whether to see whether they're going to do it it's a pilot beer effectively and it's actually disrupting one of their regulars um, because people are really digging it despite the fact that we are coming into summer as well uh, but I do think the time is actually ripe for these beers to actually turn up in the market and to become regulars if not staples in the market a couple of times a year in the U.S. Uh, people, if you, if you don't really actually know this already, there is an extreme craft beer festival that's run by BeerAdvocate.com. And at this stage, I think it's either in its 11th or its 12th year at the moment. But this is actually, like, a pretty big deal. Uh, you've got people like Dogfish Head who turn up to it. You've got a whole heap of other brewers who turn up to it as well. And they bring some really amazing beers. Like, we seem to have... A, like twice a year we have this showcase of beers that go on once in CHQ and then another one later on in the year in the audience. I think that the respective months are like uh, February and September are the months. And I do think the time is right even for a small extreme craft beer festival to go on in this country. Uh, even if it's on a very, very limited basis where we have guys who turn up and just bring some utterly like mind-blowing, like really out-there beers. And that would actually be amazing to see. And I think it would actually be a really good showcase for uh, Irish craft beer brewers to actually show, you you know what, just how good they are at their craft, that they're able to turn out really good, high-quality beers, even if it's on a limited run, just on this level as well. Um, Like, I'd love to see an Irish craft beer producer come around and do an Icebox beer. I think that would be amazing. I'd love to see someone turn out an Imperial Red that would be pretty cool. Um, even see, having one of them turn out at like a sour, 
that would be pretty cool as well. And an extreme sour at that. Um, I think like we're a lot of the stuff that we're seeing is pretty run of the mill. It's pretty like and I, I when I use this phrase, I want people just to be cognizant. I don't use it lightly, and I'm not using it to be derogatory. I think we've just got some pretty standard fair stuff that's coming out at the moment in terms of the special beers that there are. I think the only one which is of of note, and even then, the reason that it stands out is because the alternatives, frankly, um, just don't stack up to it. And that's the Bjorn Number One beer, uh, which was commissioned by about uh, twenty guys and gals from who are Bjorn members who kicked in some crowdfunding to Blacks of Kinsale, and they got to create their own custom beer out of it. And that beer, the only reason that beer stands out as exceptional is the other alternatives for double IPAs in the Irish market, a Foam and Fury, while it's a very, very good beer, uh, you know what, for me, in my personal opinion, like it doesn't hold a candle to other international double IPAs or Imperial IPAs that I can think of. It certainly, in my opinion, does not stack up to uh, Modus Operandi. It certainly doesn't stack up to Hardcore IPA by Brewdog. doesn't stack up to I Beat You by McKellar. Uh, it doesn't stack up to uh, Sierra Nevada's uh, Hoptimum, which I think is just utterly mind-blowing. And, you know, if I have the choice of um, Bjorn Number 1, a Foam with Fury, or even O'Hara's Double IPA, and that, like it, to me, is just missing a couple of beats in its step. Um, although I understand, I understand and can see where it's actually trying to fit itself in and why it's um, designed the way it is. If I have a choice of all of these like Imperial IPAs we're talking about, I can tell you that the first three that I'm probably going to hit, and this is in no particular order, in fact I'd have a hard time trying to choose which one I'd, I'd go for first, would be Hardcore IPA, uh, it would definitely be Modus Operandi, and it would be Optimum. I mean, I love McKellar's, I bet you, because I'm like a huge fan of McKellar's beers, um, and like I really, really dig them. But, you know, even for me, like that struggles to get a look in against Modus, uh, by Scab Brewing against the Sierra Nevada one and definitely against um, Hardcore IPA which I which I still think like in terms of like in terms of money wise and everything else I still think it's probably the best of the Imperial IPAs that you can obtain in Ireland on bottle in our off licenses a Foam and Fury unfortunately the, the reason for me it falls short and I'm not bashing a Foam and Fury I mean Jesus if I get a bottle of it I'm, I'll, I'll actually quite enjoy it um, I wouldn't say no to a bottle at any stage at any time uh, or if a pint of it gets put in front of me in a bar I'm certainly not going to say no to it um, but for me the, the availability of it in bottle just utterly kills me like uh, guys you've got an amazing beer for God's sake stick it out in bottles there's nothing worse than going into an off-license and you're in the mood to get get a double IPA. And the only Irish alternative for a double IPA is the O'Hara's one. While it's a good beer, and I understand why it's designed in the way that it is, that it's not in the in the same category as these kind of other IPAs to be able to put it in some, in some kind of a level playing field. Well, my, that's my only other option, or it's to go for one of the, the foreign imports. For God's sake, make it available. Um... People want to buy it. You know the popularity of it in your own bars. So, you know what? Stick it out there. We love your Buried at Sea. Storm Report's great. The other beers, you know, they're good too. Make the goddamn Fallen Fury available. 
do us all a favor and stick it out there. But anyway, getting back into the Extreme Craft Beer Festival that goes on in the U.S., Extreme Beer Fest is what it's called. It's run by Beer Advocate. It runs uh, in late March each year. What I want to do is I just want to... There's a website and a YouTube channel that I really love called Wicked Bites. And they do beer and food and sports and other kind of... uh, like cool stuff as well. They're one of these like every man channels almost uh, that exists on YouTube, and they have a short video that they put out which covers off uh, their f- coverage of uh, Extreme Beer Fest 2014. You know what? I just want to play that for you so you can actually understand what some of these brewers are bringing. A lot of these breweries that they're going to be talking about. If you're any way a follower of what's going on in the American craft beer scene, you know who these guys are. Mike, I don't know about you, but I've been looking forward to this event all year. Extreme Beer Fest 2014? Absolutely. World Trade Center in Boston. We're going to try some great beer, some whole bunch of these microbreweries that are popping up, not only in New England, but around the country. Okay, beer drinkers, let's get drinking. Let's go to work right now. Right, so we're at Sam from Dogfish Head Brewery. And Sam, I see you got a nifty little contraption there. What do we call it? Yeah, it looks like a glorified bong, but it's actually called uh, Randall the Enamel Animal. And you load it up with hops, and the alcohol in the beer acts as a solvent and strips all the nice flavors and aromas out of that hops and puts them right in your pint glass. So you're actually making the beer as you pour the beer? Well, we're more hopping the beer at the point that we're serving it. The beer was already made, but it's a very strong 17% alcohol stout. Uh, I'm sorry, IPA, that then goes through these hops and really intensifies the aromas. So overhopping? Pretty much over. Irresponsible quantities of hops. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you very much. Oh, that sounds delicious. Oh, my God, that is delicious. Good? Yeah. I'm a- wow. Now, the Randall they're talking about there, Sam Black of Blacksbury brought one of these in last year for the Irish Craft Beer Festival, went down a storm with people. Here with uh, the Carton Brewing Company out of New Jersey, when you got something that's kind of unique, you got that that pumpkin cream ale. Yep. So uh, pumpkin cream ale is kind of our deconstruction of a pumpkin cream soup. We basically took a soup idea, made a cream ale, added pumpkin, ginger, pink peppercorns, and uh, orange zest. And then this one, we threw in these Laird's barrels, so it had that apple brandy finish to it. Yep. All right, here is the pumpkin ale. You know, not bad. Not bad for from a Yankee fan to a Red Sox fan. That's all right. So I've come to Dark Horse Brewing. This is Wiggs. Wiggs, what kind of beer we got here? Uh, good old-fashioned awesome beer. Awesome beer. Um, it's a good beer. Yeah, we brought four beers, so a couple stouts, uh, this little sour raspberry lambic, and uh, what else? Oh, we brought a beer made with bacon. A beer made with bacon. I'll right, have to try that in a minute. There's a lot of bacon. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it when beer makes it. That, yeah. That's really good. I need this with breakfast. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, this little is, egg, little what's, the, what's the name of this one? Uh, this little piggy went to Dark Horse. Bacon beer. It isn't. Come on. Yeah. Right there. We're all foodies. And uh, so we think about flavors that we like and flavors that maybe are a little nostalgic or make you think of a memory that you had. 
and we just try to recreate that as best we can using natural ingredients. So we've got everything from no crust peanut butter and jelly brown ale. Uh, oh, wow, that to, sounds sensational. Yeah, and to our maple bacon coffee porter, which is a breakfast themed beer. We've also got another one called French Toast, uh, double brown. So it's an imperial brown ale with uh, kind of you know, maple syrup, cinnamon, vanilla. It's got this great French toast quality to it. So, what kind of beers do you serve? Bourbon carrot cake is a popular one right now. You can definitely taste the bourbon and the carrots. It's not bad. It's a good name for Yeah, you know, so the original version was non-barrel aged, and then we decided to do it again for the second time, and, you know, why not up the ante, like you said, and throw it in some bourbon barrels and see uh, see where it would take us. Damn good beer. Thank you very much. Being in Louisville, you got to have a great bourbon beer. Absolutely. We have such great access to barrels, it'd be a shame not to use them. And what happened to your hair? Why is your hair all white? Uh, I conditioned. Condition and that's the way it yeah. came out? Uh, extremely well. All right. Well, I'm telling you, if you go to Louisville, it's a great city, not only for great restaurants, but now we got a great brewery yep. that you guys can try right by the ballpark so you can't miss it. Absolutely. I'm noticing a trend of, of a lot of beers now being brewed with bourbon. Is that like a new thing, or is it something that I'm just picking up on and haven't been noticing? We figured out that uh, the wood, and especially using bourbon, bourbon barrels from whiskey distilleries, because they're very available, right. gives the beer some very special flavor. Where's Long Trail based out of? We're in Bridgewater Corners, Vermont. We're between uh, Killington and Woodstock okay. in kind of southern Vermont. Very beautiful, very quiet. Come visit. Well, that's worth seeking out, man. <laughs> now, I see some of the unique names. you got Crazy Pucker Beer. What is that like? Yes, sir. That's a uh, classic Berliner Weiss-style sour German wheat beer. Um, just really nice and tart and sour. Um, Crisp and clean, refreshing, very good beer. Uh, the cask actually dry hopped it with a new uh, Australian experimental hop called AU Summer. Explain that to me. Um, so what we do is usually uh, when, a, when a beer goes from the bright tank to the bottling, you inject some CO2. We take it straight from the bright tank, put it in. So it comes out, we have them side by side so you can kind of see the difference between the two. Compare and contrast. Yeah. You get all that? Good. So I'm with Mike at the Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. Mike, you have the biggest line here at Extreme Beer Fest in Boston. What are we serving that's so exciting? Uh, we got a maple coffee imperial stout that people are going crazy for. Uh, a couple West Coast style double IPAs using some of the best, the most hip hops right now. Uh, Citra and Mosaic. Uh, Did you say the most hip hops? The most hip hops. <laughs> okay. Now the, talk about the milk stout because I hear that's top ten on Beer Advocate right now. Yeah, uh, that is a, it's an oatmeal imperial stout base brewed with maple syrup and fresh, uh, fresh ground coffee. Okay. Uh, it's a big beer, 12.8%. Uh, it's just one that people go crazy for. Breakfast in a glass. Breakfast in a glass. Uh, the original descriptor for the beer is just add pancakes. So you should be next to the waffle hut over there. We should. There was a mistake made there. There really was a mistake. Let me try some of the milk stuff. Holy crap, that is, that's worth the line. I'm, gl I'm glad we could cut the line to get this. All right, Mike, I see you're wearing plenty of beer. I spilt beer all over myself at the last, at Jack Abbey. That's why they call it an extreme beer fest. It is extreme, and we get extreme here at Wicked Bites with all of our beer, all of ourselves. We wear our work on our sleeve. Well, I don't know about you. But I'm going to be running towards that restroom any second. Oh, look at that. Breaking the seal early, are you, Scott? we got a long night ahead of us. All right, here's to everybody here at the Extreme Beer Fest World Trade Center in Boston 2014. Cheers, everybody. I like it. Beer! 
you know what, when I listen to something like that and I see something like that, I just keep looking at it and going, why do we not have this here? Look, I understand we've got the Irish Craft Beer Festival, which is trying to appear to every kind of craft beer drinker from trying to convert some uh, craft beer virgins into, honest to God, uh, craft beer drinkers and then to appease uh, the fanboys of particular breweries out there as well and then they get to bring a couple of beers along. But I do think... There is a niche market in this country where there's enough, uh, honest to God, craft beer drinkers out there that when, if you were to put on something like this and to have a couple of real crazy ass beers in very, very small amounts and nothing but these crazy ass beers turning up uh, off pilots' uh, kits and everything else, I do think it would do particularly well, even if it was a one-day event in this country um, where it was held and, and then having some really good uh, food producers come along as well and do some really outstanding stuff. Um, or even for some of the breweries to come together and to actually uh, do some amazing blends. That's another thing which I think we're actually pretty short of in this country is uh, blended beers. Um, or people going out of their way to do creations like... Uh, a great example of this, I think, is Dogfish's Head Bitches Brew, which has got like five different kinds of imperial stout that they make uh, blended with... Um, like an, an African uh, honey-based alcoholic beverage. And it's blended together. And this was done to celebrate uh, the re-release of uh, one of the anniversaries for Miles Davis's uh, Bitches Brew album. Uh, and it was a beer that was actually commissioned by his record label, believe it or not. Um, but even at that, like it, it, as a good example, or if you talk about um, like Brewdog's uh, I Hardcore You, which was a blend of Hardcore IPA, McKellar's I Beat You, and then just hopped up to the bollocks again in the tanks before it was actually gone and bottled. And, you know, that's an incredible beer in its own. I mean, I've done a couple of these experimental type of blends myself. I bought a Randall for this very reason, so I could start playing around with, like, uh, with different flavors in beers or see if I can go and amp up a standard beer and see if it was something cool. I mean, I even toyed with the idea of doing, like, Randall Party um, with beer, uh, craft beer drinking compadres of my own where we, we all decide on a whole heap of beers and some ingredients that we can go and put into the Randalls and, and, and mix them up and, and just have one of those parties to have a, have a play around with it and see what sticks, see what doesn't stick. And we really don't have any brewers in this country turning out this stuff on a regular basis. Again, I understand the whole pilot tap system. Yes, that is one form, but something which is quite regular. And there, and there is a market for this. It obviously exists. And when you look at the reaction that some of these beers are getting. For example, Hardcore IPA, you go into any of the O'Briens that actually have a good selection of Hardcore IPA and you talk to the people in there and you ask them how well it sells, they'll tell you it sells reasonably well. They'll tell you the stronger beers tend to sell very, very well. And I think it's a case in this country where I understand brewers are looking at what's actually selling on the taps and everything else, but I do think there is... They'd start need to start listening and looking and asking questions about what's actually being sold in off licenses, and not just their beers, but in terms of the foreign beers that are of these very strong or strange varieties, um, like going and talking to some people like Ruth Devney over in Devney's and asking her like, hey, some of the really weird strong American beers that you're bringing in, or 
how are they selling? What's the reaction to those? Like, how many units in them are you shifting a month? And if, if there is a possibility of producing some limited amounts of those that are available in some way, finding out and doing it. Even if it's going out through someone like Vanguard Beers, where they're actually making it available and finding a, and finding a way to sell it and distribute it. You know, that's one avenue that could be done. I mean, the rules of capitalism are really quite simple. It's supply and demand. Where does a demand go and supply to it? And the entire point is to get to the idea of market saturation, to go and capture uh, a market or to go and capture a mind share out of craft beer drinkers. I mean, it is possible, it is doable. I mean, a great example of that is, I think, Galway Bay in this country have actually got, like, a huge loyal fan base. I mean, not even say that their fanboys are quite fervent in their support of it. Um, I mean, that's how far it actually goes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a very good thing that they're one of those brewers who've actually stepped out and managed to do that because they understand that there is a market out there, there is a mind share to be captured. Selling an idea and an ideal alongside some really well-crafted beers is no bad thing. And, you know, it's something which I think is utterly important. And I think putting out beers that allow you to be standout and distinct also helps you in this manner as well. I mean, I asked for earlier on today sort of sort of emails into the show for people's thoughts on it. And one I got in from my good buddy, the Irish beer snob, was uh, he said, you know, I think we've got some very skilled brewers here who can definitely do some of the matter stuff. Do I think there's a market for it? Of course, but it'll be a small market. I'd love to see some experimentation on a limited run for the hell of it, and a few brewers I've spoken to will be game for it. First, though, it'd be great if we could break away from the pale ale red stout axis. Wayne, I'm completely with you on this. And smash our perception of these beers by tinkering wildly with them. I could not agree with you more about this. One of the things I, 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 I started at the very top of the show by saying was that I think we have some very well-made beers, but I think we've got a very, very boring and plain selection. If I look at what I actually go out of my way to try and buy... Uh, I'll intersperse a whole heap of Irish beers. And I'm unashamed about the beers that I actually like from the Irish side. I love brew breweries, Rua Rua. I really, I don't give a shit what anyone says about this. I like the McGargles uh, Red. Okay, I actually think it's a nice beer. It's, and if you get it on tap and it's been done nice, it's it pours nice, it drinks nice. Um, I really like Buried at Sea by Galway Bay. I think that's a fantastic stout. Uh, it's probably one of my favourite Irish stouts that's out there. I love Dove, obviously, again, because it's a nitrogenised stout uh, in a bottle, um, which not too many others are doing. I love Black's KPA. Um, their Black IPA I, I like an awful lot as well. Um, but the, like these are beers that I would keep regularly. And I, but here's the thing. These beers would all still be, for me, in a minority interspersion in terms of my other beers, if I see something really interesting in terms of beer flavors, and again, I'm a flavor chaser, so I always want to be out there looking for what to see these experimental types of beers. I'll go out of my way to buy them. If it's a Brewdog beer, I don't care whether it's good or bad or indifferent. I know the fact that these dudes own the biggest pair of balls in the beer industry in the British Isles, and in even in terms of like including Ireland into that as well. I think they have the biggest set of balls when it comes to just doing really weird fucked up things. Their lumberjack stout is something I can't wait to put my hands on uh, at some stage. And hopefully they'll stick it in a bottle. 
And if it's if I see something new from them, I'll go and pick it up. If I see something new from McKellar that's available, I'll go and pick it up. If I see something new from Taol or or Stronzo, or if I see something really weird and and big and bold from the US, I'll definitely go and pick it up. Especially Sierra Nevada. Like Bigfoot, for example, is is a big fuck off barley wine type beer that like it's uh you know, and it, but they've done it for the last couple of years, and once I see that's available, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to have and have some of that and see how it stacks up this year. And it's something that I'll go out of my way to try and find. If I can put my hands on modus operandi, I will definitely go out of my way to try and see how I can put my hands on that in some way, shape, and form. And again, if I'm not the only one that's doing this, if I talk to other people and they see these available, like they'll go out of their way to go and pick them up as well. So again, it's not like there isn't a, a demand for this. I agree with Wayne wholly. I think it is a small market initially, but I do think it's something that as sort of the craft beer drinkership, is that even a word, drinkership? You know what? It is. I'm declaring it. It's a word. Drinkership. As that grows in this country, I do think that this market is, and, this, and the potential for this market to grow will actually increase as well. And I think we will start to see more diversity coming out. We'll start to see, and look, I understand brewers are out there and they're like, they're really at the pin of their collars in terms of trying to make their business grow and everything else. But I don't think producing beers like this is harmful doing small runs of them that they can make available in one way, shape, or form, whether it's they uh, find a way to get them distributed to an, a particular group of off-licenses in small, limited amounts, and use social media to say, hey, we've got this run on again for this stuff, go out and grab some, or partnering up with specific off-licenses in their locale and going, hey, again, that would be a great thing. If there is an off-license in their locale that they have a good relationship with, driving people to try and go to to that off-license to try and get those beers. Again, it's creating buzz locally and it's building those local relationships as well. And again, I think beer terrorism, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if I look at myself, like I'll actually go out of my way to go and put my hands on beer. Um, so much so, I think Bradley's in Cork is probably like one of my go-tos where if I'm looking for something really... Uh, weird or they've got some really cool new stuff in like they had eight ward from new zealand in recently um where i picked up like their uh their capacitor like mighty ale and hop ward and a whole heap of others and in the end of that i went in and i ordered like a whole heap of additional mighty ale off the back of it that i can keep my own personal store over the next couple of months and and as that stock kind of depletes and again, there are others I know who do the same thing. So there is obviously a market. So the one message I'd say, this goes mainly to brewers, and to a lesser extent, it actually goes to people from off licenses. Talk to your local breweries. If the if you have a relationship with them and there is a feasibility for this, you can use this as if to your mutual benefit to drive people to it. So you become like these exclusive distributors almost of these fairly limited beers. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a healthy thing. I think it's a good thing as well. And at least we are not sort of ramshackled in the same way in the US where you have got to tie yourself to a distributor and you only are able to use that distributor in your state. 
and you've got to make agreements with distributors in other states and you kind of are locked into this like a uh, relationship that it's almost nigh Im- and impossible to get divorced from um i think we there's an awful lot more freedom here in that respect so i think it, it there well that opportunity exists i do think brewers even at this or like early stage in the irish craft beer revolution would be remiss in not taking advantage of it and they most definitely should for other people out there i'd love to know what their thoughts are and in fact i'd actually also love to know what some of your favorite uh, extreme beers are um just as an example some of my favorites are uh, i love things like um mighty adam uh, mighty ale from eight word i really dig that beer can't wait till i have a whole heap of it to be able to put my hands on um i love things like modus hopperandi i think it just blows shit out the water i do really like things like tactical nuclear penguin um because it, it is just such a it's a theatrical beer, and I do think when you get to these things, they should be theatrical. I also liked uh, things like Brewdogs. Hello, my name is Vladimir. I thought that was actually particularly cool as well. Uh, the McKellar 1000 IBU, again, just a real shit-kicker of a beer. Beat the shit out of my taste buds. Sam Black's uh, jaw and himself were left on the floor after drinking it, and he'll attest to how cool that was. Uh, and there's a whole heap of other great beers that are out there as well. So I'd love to know what some of your favourite extreme beers are. You can send it to me on the Twitter, or you can send it to me on the email. And you know what? That sound, as always, is the indicator for last orders here in the 11pm Somewhere podcast. Thanks for once again deciding to download the show. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button in iTunes or in Stitcher Radio, hit that subscribe button. I want to say thanks to Wayne for sending in his contribution to the show this week. He has a pretty kick-ass blog about beer and craft beer in Ireland called irishbeersnob.com. Go and check it out. And he will also soon be launching his own podcast. I will be helping him out with that. Just on the podcast front side of things, if you're in this country and you're interested in doing a podcast about beer or you've got an idea about some other podcast you want to do, talk to me. I would love to help grow Irish podcasting. Irish podcasting is quite limited, quite small. Uh, I'd say there's probably about maybe less than 20 or 30 of us who are actually doing it in this country. When you look at iTunes and podcasts out of Ireland, because an awful lot of podcasting in Ireland is dominated by like the Today FM's uh, news talks and the rest of the commercial podcasts, um, and we need to start growing that in Ireland because it's a great way to get your content across. And each week, you too can download podcasts, episodes of this show via iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So if you were up onto that and you subscribe and you haven't left me a review or a rating, please, please do so. This helps grow the show, helps move it out to a wider reach by moving it up the charts and then getting spotlighted better on both of those platforms. And if you do drop a review and a rating, I will give you a shout-out on one of the future episodes not long afterwards. And as always, you can hit me up on the Twitter machines at 11pm somewhere. If you want to join the mailbag on any week on the show or you want to contribute to the show for one of the upcoming topics, and I'm going to try and put the notice out a couple of days earlier, drop me an email, show at 11pm somewhere.com. So, thank you once again. Until next time, I've been me. You've been you, and as always, the last one left standing is guaranteed to be left settling the barbell. Cheers to you, craft beer drinker Addy. The Irish Craft Beer subreddit contains all the latest news, reviews, blogs, and posts from around the internet about Irish craft beer. To find out more, check out www.reddit.com slash or slash Irish craft beer. Join the revolution.